Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the P1 podcast with Matt and Tommy. Tommy giving it the largest of waves because, of course, our full race review podcasts are fully on YouTube as well as on your audio. If you didn't know, vice versa, you can check the other one out. That's absolutely fine. Tom Bellingham, we have completed the Belgian Grand Prix. We have completed the first half of the season. Into the summer break we go. How are you feeling, Max Verstappen fan? Yeah, I'm pretty nervous, actually. It's a very close title battle and, um, look, could be close. Um, no. Uh, you make me sick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've said he can't win every race, but my God, he's certainly uh, going about it like he can. Uh, yeah. Full clean sweep for Red Bull after the first, uh, well, we've won all the sprints as well. So big old dominance. Big old fat dominance, to be fair. Mm. Um, yeah. Before we dive into the dominance and every other bit of stuff that we need to go speak about, uh, need to share a five-star review. This one comes in from David J 51 from Belgium. If you want your five-star review to be read out, leave us a five-star review, tell us why, and we, we read them all. We read absolutely every single one of them. So thank you so much uh, to all that have, because it helps us a lot. Thank you, Matt and Tommy, for the best podcast on Formula One. When people ask me if Drive to Survive is the reason I'm following F1, I answer, it's P1. I was the guy shouting out in the crowd when you asked on the main stage if there was someone supporting Alpine. Don't judge me, please. I have my reasons. I am French. It was my first Grand Prix and my heart was broken to see none of the cars finishing the race and McLaren overtook us the same day. If Formula is pain, you are the painkiller. Thanks for the smile on my face every week. Oh, Lovely. Merci Thank beaucoup. you so much, David. Sorry that... Oh, hello, flexi boy. <laughs> Come on. You're like Martin Brundle on the fan walk that we had uh, before the race. A little petit peu français. Oui. Je veux bien. Oui. Right. Je Matt. Yeah. Yep. Good. Well, Good that stuff. was fantastic. Great. <laughs> what a great bit of content, hey? Let's now dive into my most memorable moment to begin with. And <laughs> let's be honest, it was a solid six out of ten at best. There weren't many memorable moments, but mine, of course, you know, I'm wearing a Ferrari shirt, so it has to be Piastri and Signs, the incident at the beginning. Yeah. Odd one, really, because... At first, at first glance, I was like, what is Piastri doing? Uh, you know, why is he putting his nose in there? But on second glance, when you check the the onboards in particular uh, of Oscar Piastri, Carlos Sainz just changes his direction rather aggressively, if we're being honest here. He, he was kind of more to the outside, then just sort of darts towards the middle slash inside of the track, locks up slightly, and... Oscar has nowhere to go. Uh, it's unfortunate the stewards deemed it as you know, no further action, turn one, lap one, nothing doing sort of thing. And I can understand to some degree it is a quite a congested part of the track. It's not a long run down towards turn one, a lot of cars there. But I would also say that it was, it was definitely Carlos's fault. Did it deserve a penalty? Marginal. Yeah, it's, it's a classic. I've seen a lot of people going, how was Carlos's not a penalty when Hamilton's was? 
still adamant Hamilton's yesterday's shouldn't have, well, racing incident, yeah, shouldn't have been a penalty. They give more lenience, certainly, on lap one, but I do believe that Carlos was at fault. You watched Piastri and you thought, why is he diving up the inside like that? And Carlos actually is still blaming Piastri quite heavily, saying that it showed his lack of experience and all that kind of stuff, but pretty savage um, because science Carlos is, is blaming Oscar. Yeah, big time. Um, and Carlos is the one that huh? locked up and changed direction so aggressively. It reminds me a little bit of not the particular um, spa moment, but Roman Grosjean used to do it quite a lot where you can't really just dart your car around and change p- position because Oscar Piastri was alongside Sainz and he wouldn't have expected Sainz to just take the corner like he wasn't there. And that's exactly what Piastri said, wasn't it? That, you know, he just turned in like I didn't exist. Um, And Sainz did just drive into that corner thinking I've locked up. Now I'm going to dive down the inside of... uh... He dived down the inside, which caused the lock up, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was the change of direction that caused the lock up. He kind of, yeah, went went It wasn't out of control. It It was just, he just changed direction quite aggressively, which I would argue is probably... It's going to catch out a lot of people, right? You know, yeah. Yeah. He science risked a lot and got caught up because he, um, as seems to be the the in damage at the moment, the the hip new damage is having a hole in your side pod after a little bit of contact. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that's something to do with the uh, not new because they're they're a couple of years old now, but the this new uh, front wing and how they've got those massive big end plates now and. Maybe the, I don't know. We seem to have seen a lot of like puncturing side pods. Like I don't, mm. I don't remember that happening a lot in the older cards. Maybe because there was so much aero on. It was the aero that fell off rather than <laughs> the side pods. But that's yeah. true, actually. Yeah, I did enjoy the fact that we were about to go down the route of aerodynamics with Tom Bellingham, and that uh, you very quickly were like, I don't really know what I'm saying here because neither of us <laughs> understand the physics of of why. But it is it is a, a running trend for sure that mm. that puncture in the side they must be incredibly fragile uh, for one way or another uh, one reason or another and um yeah so question from liam underscore f1 was the oscar, oscar carlos incident really a racing incident i'm gonna back a racing incident just lap one turn one carlos should have done better in my opinion yeah, he's saying it's oscar's lack of experience i would say with carlos's experience he shouldn't be darting or changing direction as much as he did. And I feel like it was just a lack of awareness from him as opposed to Oscar really doing anything wrong because at the point just before he changes direction, there is a large gap with Oscar Piastri's name on it. You know, he's engraved that piece of tarmac right in front of him with, with his, with, with the Piastri surname. And then Carlos was like, absolutely not. I'm coming over me. I'm coming on your camera, mate. (laughs) I think, uh, I think Carlos is lucky to escape a, a penalty. I think he's been saved by the fact that, uh, one, it's the first lap, and two, he's the one that's got uh, the damage himself. But that doesn't make uh, Piastri any better. And like we said yesterday, they're not meant to take consequence into it, but they definitely do. They certainly do. And for those that have never heard of the Charlotte Claire, I'm coming on your camera, mate, look it up. It's a clip from when it was COVID, because otherwise, out of context, that sounds really, <laughs> really strange. Next question, at Mikel underscore Red. Why did Ferrari take so long to retire Carlos? It was obvious he was losing power. 
not just power, I think just generally, his car was an absolute dog, just like we saw with Checo. Like the, the handling just goes completely off. I think Checo uses the term load when he's with, with the damage he had yesterday, loses load. Um, I don't really know why either, because in a, in a day and age of Formula One where every mile, every lap turned is, is precious in terms of the parts they have available, I don't particularly see why they they carried on with him because he was battling Logan Sargent for the for the final position on the track at one point and Ferrari should have just pulled the plug then you know what I mean like no disrespect to Logie but it, there was never any points on on the cards I did say in funniest tweets that perhaps they were hoping for some rain to come which would equalize the performance somewhat let's think of you know Sebastian Vettel when he got yeeted at Brazil and when that was wet do you remember he was as quick as, if not quicker, than the cars around him because of those slower, wetter conditions? Um, that didn't really happen, at least didn't happen um, by the time he retired. So, yeah, it was a bit strange. I mean, it's not the end of the world either way, but they just decided to hope it came to him for a little while. Yeah, it's very weird, uh, weird choice. In my opinion, I don't know what they're doing. As soon as you're kind of dropping back and battling uh, the back markers. You're never getting points, uh, or it just seems entirely pointless. So, yeah, very, very yeah, strange. Get it? Good one. It's really pointless. That's um, a good one. That. In a in a season and uh, the way Formula One is now, where parts matter, we've seen Ferrari struggle with them anyway. Uh, part usage and was it yeah, Charles Leclerc? Penalty yeah, going yeah, to the really early on. Of the season. So every bit matters. So why are you putting? Extra mileage on the car um, is absolutely, yeah, it's just a waste of time in my opinion. Very, very odd call from them uh, to do that. Yeah, well, you know, it wasn't the end of the world. It is no, what it is. No, they decided it, is. it. Well done. We move on. Um, let's go to your most memorable moment now, Tom Bellingham. My most memorable moment was um, the Stappen's kind of sassy radio, I guess, because... Uh, it's the only entertainment we see from Verstappen these days because he's just so far clear. But, you know, speaking about his drive, starting sixth, so easily winning, finishing 22 seconds clear of your teammate when you've started sixth and your teammate started on the front row. It's just, he is just playing on easy mode, uh, Formula One. He's so far clear and... um, to to the point where he's he's acting in the races like they're a free practice session now. It's like there's no pressure. He's thriving on the fact that the car is dominant now. People saying he's bored and stuff, and I think he is bored and he would like to race people. Um, no, but I saw but a quote come out the other day where he, he was likes saying to troll he actually people. enjoys being yeah, on his own. I think so. he likes to troll a bit as well, and he knows that there's going to be people, and rightly so, like dis- disappointed. They're disappointed that he's winning every race, and you know I've said it before that even even me now as a Verstappen fan, it is a bit like I don't know, like it's obviously enjoyable, and I'm watching him win races and make his way up the ranks. But I guess the lack of jeopardy is is not like a crazy season like we had in it, it before or whatever. So he's just he's just cruising. He's mentioning about the team having a pit stop practice and stuff like that. And uh, he is just unbelievable. I mean, his form is absolutely insane right now. 
I wrote a stat down. I've left it on my laptop. I, I'll go get it while you carry on chatting. Okay, cool. I'll just speak to myself then. No problem. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, it was uh, the the biggest part of the entertainment for sure. The the sassy messages that were exchanged between GP, his engineer, uh, and and Max Verstappen. Um, yeah, I do find it funny how you know Red Bull obviously try and manage everything. They make sure they don't take any risks whatsoever. They see that he's pushed too hard on the outlap, and they start getting a little bit concerned, like, "Oh, you're taking a bit too much tire life out." Yada yada yada. I <laughs> I did find the 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 messages like unnecessarily sassy from GP in some ways. I didn't know if maybe you know he's seen them blow up quite a lot during the feed previously and everyone's like oh my god you know blah 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 these these messages that perhaps he's almost like acting up to them slightly i don't know i was trying to like fix it it didn't feel like he deserved the sass mm. that, because he was he, he started sixth on the grid he's winning by 15 seconds and it might just be the the relationship they have it might just be that that is constantly what they're like when they're out the car loads of banter Loads of this, that, and the other, but we've not seen that as much broadcast to, you know, everybody in the world. So perhaps it's a slight you know, shock from my side to see the sass when it seemed slightly unwarranted. Uh, but perhaps that's just how they are. I wonder if it's them sort of not keeping Max awake, but alert a little bit. We, I think uh, Mercedes admitted it's something they did with Hamilton when Hamilton was dominating that they kind of always trying to keep him alert with things even if the, there's not a problem they'll sort of you know keep him alert with saying things and like the, the whole ties are dead thing it was a it was a thing to actually keep him alert and and this well, that kind was of thing. him saying it yeah though. yeah but they they did that sort of thing and i think it happened with vettel as well at red bull and i do wonder maybe maybe it's their way of just kind of keeping annoying Max, him slightly. yeah yeah just 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 <laughs> keeping just him alert and making sure he's not um, making mistakes. I mean, he had a huge moment uh, uh, where he lost the car at one point. Um, what might have been, uh, but apart from that, it was smooth sailing. Yeah, this is the the stat that I wrote down, which is, I think Better this just good. shows we've been waiting for a long time. It's not this. worth it. <laughs> no, okay. but it just it just I w I wanted to sort of because it feels like Max never has a day off. This is what we say, isn't it? That he doesn't even when he's starting lower down the order or anything. And I took the last 60 races where Max has finished without any kind of damage or car problems. And he's finished fourth or lower three times, third twice, second 14 times, and first 41 times in the last 60 races. I mean, he's just he just doesn't have a day off. And I think that is what's making it so difficult for everyone else that even when... Last year he started fourteenth, still won. Um he doesn't he doesn't maybe dare I say when Hamilton was dominating, we saw maybe sometimes he'd win the title and cool off a little bit or be a bit slow to start the season. I don't feel like Max has that, and that's probably why it feels even more dominant <laughs> this year. Well, great. You know, this podcast is there to keep the hopes up, keep the, you know, so maybe Max will make a mistake. What you're telling us here, Tommy, is that it doesn't happen and he is a robot. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, perfect. Great. Uh, <laughs> next question comes in from MonkeyMan16. Is there anyone on the grid that could challenge Max for the title if they were in the Red Bull? I will wholeheartedly back this to the hilt. 
No one would beat Max Verstappen in that Red Bull team if they joined next year. No one. Not Alonso, not Hamilton, not Russell, not Leclerc. No one. It is his team. It's built around him. They know exactly what he wants. He knows exactly what they need as a team in terms of feedback for the car. No one would do better than Max. No. Uh, agreed. Like, it is just... Said it, said it on a few podcasts ago that when Max was in what you'd say was the second best car with Red Bull and he was finishing third, sometimes splitting the Mercedes. He got, you know, I've seen a lot of people say this, during that Mercedes dominant era, he still got 10 wins. And it just showed that during that era, a lot of people were saying, you know, this isn't a surprise Maybe it's a surprise he's dominating that much, but you know it's not like no one expected Max to do this. You can look back at quotes from like Nicky Lauda and stuff when he was in the Toro Rosso and saying that he's the next generation talent and all this kind of stuff. He's been waiting for that car to that if he was in a dominant car, how good could he be? And the answer is this good because <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you you could think that. Saudi this year, he had the problem. And you know, Perez drove a great race because Max got through the pack and couldn't cut, catch him. But if, uh, you know, if Max had maybe started in a more favourable qualifying position, and then also the the other race he didn't win was Baku, where he got screwed by the safety car, it's not out of the question that Max could have won every single race this year. And and it's insane. And just when is it going to end? Because he's just absolutely crushing everyone. He certainly is, isn't he? He absolutely <laughs> is. But look, I think it, it, it we definitely need some time. You know, we we sometimes get a little bit frustrated with the with the lack of competition and so on and so forth. But we also, on the flip side of that, have to commend we are watching history. We are witnessing greatness right before our eyes. Verstappen, you know, it's all well and good having a dominant car, but to perform at the level without any mistakes, like, no mistakes. You have really. to deliver, like. Exactly. Look how many, you know, I mentioned that stat of, what was it? He's only ever finished outside the podium or outside the top two uh, about six times in the last three years. Think how many times his teammate has finished lower than fifth sometimes. Or, you know, it's, it's easy to go, oh, the car is miles ahead. And it is very clear. But, you know, he's finishing races 20, 30, 40 seconds clear of his teammate. Uh, consistently it's it's insane it's just the perfect uh, driver and machine they've built that car around him and they've just got it in the sweet spot and uh, yeah to answer the original question like I don't think anyone could could beat him uh, I think they could get closer yeah it'd be closer than races I think they could win races against him I don't think over a season they would beat Max for a title no chance Um, next question Huao Mig I'm going to go with, should the FIA step in to make the cars a, a bit more even? These dominances, Schumacher, Hamilton, Verstappen, are killing the sport. Look, if the FIA turns up in the summer break and goes, right, from Zandvoort, success ballast, I think you lose all integrity of what Formula One is all about. It is sad that we go through these periods of dominance and we say so many times, we go back to 2021, we say that year was a blessing and a curse because it changed a lot of our outlooks and expectations for seasons moving forward. 
when the reality is, Dom, maybe not as dominant as this. We don't usually see this. Of course, Vettel's nine race win streak is is at threat, and that is the largest we've ever seen. Verstappen is on his way to do that and may well smash it into 15, 18, whatever. Um, but I think the moment we step in like immediately, we do lose that integrity. But on the flip side of that, I totally get this because Formula One is at the peak of the mountain and there's only one way down if we have periods of dominance like this. Whether we have to have more frequent rule changes or I don't know. I don't know what the exact answer is. If I did, I'd be working at the FIA and Formula One would be fixed. But that you can't just go ahead and change something. You can't rip out part of their car and say, oh, there we go. Now you're half a second slower. As much as in an alternate reality, I'm sure we'd love to see that. But then we're just going towards equal cars and all that debate as well. Yeah, there's there's only so much they can do. Um, I'm sure it wouldn't surprise me if next year they start trying to do certain things. Obviously, you know, we we had a period of seven was it seven years of Mercedes dominance, and then uh, the year that Red Bull were doing well, they changed the the kind of what was it the the rake wasn't it and that that helped Red Bull kind of catch up and they were a bit more on a level playing field. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe next year or the year after, if Red Bull are still on this crazy winning streak, they do something like that to make it close. But the problem is. Look what happened when they raised the height of the cars because the Mercedes was porpoising and they they kind of stepped in and went, okay, we will change it. And a lot of people, including I think Red Bull, were saying, you know, it's ridiculous, you shouldn't change it. And if anything, they've got even more dominant because of it. Like the the crazy thing is that they could they could do something like this. They could step in and change something but the sad reality for everyone that wants it to be closer is that red bull has the best drs it's the best in a straight line it's the best around the corners it's the best at running low it's the best in the wet what what you know they could change something and red bull could be 30 seconds clear as opposed to 20 seconds clear that car what's so good about it is it can running clear air it can do it can do everything like it's good in so many different windows look what happened with mclaren and ferrari when they raised the height like they just fell off but red bull got better and i think you could run the risk of trying to close things up and all that it does is actually nerf a load of other teams and red bull get could could potentially get even better so it's a risk if they wanted to do something like that as well and F1, I think Toto Wolff has said this before, is a meritocracy. You know, it rewards teams doing the best job. And, you know, we can have a go at Red Bull. Wow, you're dominant. No, we should be we should be speaking and talking about the teams that are flopping, the ones that aren't getting it right. The mm. Mercedes that dominated for so Sometimes many years. Ferrari up. that haven't won since 1423. Like, there's these teams that are massive, enormous brands should be able to be closer to Red Bull than they are. So it's more a failure. You should be able to win side. at least one damn race yeah. against him as well. Like it's crazy that the fact that yeah we've gone the whole season where we've not even won won a race uh, and had a sniff of the win. It's crazy. 
Certainly is. Uh, next question comes in from CJS97531. With Red Bull really not having any reliability issues that have been seen and still being miles clear of the field in the hands of Max, can we start saying that a clean sweep of the season isn't a crazy thought? No, it's not a crazy thought at all. I still, within my, my own delusion, believe that that's not going to happen and there has to be one race where something crazy happens. But <laughs> we're into the summer break and nothing crazy has happened yet. Even though we've had rainy qualifyings, rainy races sometimes, it's still the same outcome. So at this point, it's looking likely, just purely down to, again, the Verstappen consistency. That is something that is, a, that is probably the part of his driving ability that is scarier than anything else is that he's able to bring that A game every single time without fail. There isn't a, there isn't a part of us that goes, oh, maybe he, you know, maybe he'll have a stinker this week. Yeah, Perez oh, he's has a bit been washed on and off, tracks or, oh, missing he's not Q3. good at this yeah. or good at that, yeah. Verstappen just is like, nah, mate, I love them all. I love each and every one of those tracks the same. So yeah, it is possible, very possible. But yeah, yeah, because like, because <laughs> yeah, like we were saying, you know, we we all banter about, oh, we need some rain to spice it up. Max is even further ahead in in the rain, things like that. So yeah, it's definitely not out the question. The cars are so reliable this year. Um, there will be something surely with reliability where it does, but they are so reliable now. Um, but you do wonder. I wouldn't put it past. I still don't think it's going to happen with Max, but. I think it's looking more and more likely now that Red Bull could sweep the season because even if Max has, you know, a puncture or, or something or or something that goes completely wrong for him, Perez could pick up pick up the pieces um, and win. Uh, so I wouldn't put put it past Red Bull. You know, could potentially be the first team ever uh, to to do it, and uh, yeah, that would be. And the only team ever to do it, I can guarantee. Only you team, that. and like, this is that will never happen again. And it's so weird because I've said this before, but Formula One, the rule book is close, like tighter than ever. They're, these new cars, it was people were scared that it was going too specky with the new cars, and they're all going to look the same, and it'd be like IndyCar, and um, and we're, we're going to end up with the most dominant season in the history of the sport. Uh, even when you know you had the 60s where it was just build a car and someone was miles clear more dominant than that it's crazy but we're loving every second <laughs> <laughs> uh, at f1 copium comes in with can we just ignore red bull charles's p1 i assume this was after <laughs> it's your after burner account <laughs> friday yeah f1 copium and then delusion in stars was uh, was the message after that um yeah, look, it's, it, we joke about it. Can we ignore this? Or if we pretend that they're not here, but look, that happens. That that happened the same with. I mean, maybe not so much with Mercedes because then Verstappen would just probably be a ten-time world champion if uh, if we ignored Mercedes in that in that period of dominance. So um, yeah, it's it's exciting that the fact that we have this consistently chopping and changing fight for P two once again, Ferrari to just turn up now and they're like, Hey, no, we're the second fastest car now. It's just about just on sprint. Uh, Hamilton was yeah. Sprint weekends for whatever reason, it is just the fact that they are so quick 
to get it just right after one practice session. But anything after that, they go downhill. They start thinking too hard about things. Checking too much. They make the wrong... Yeah, they, they, they do love checking, but only the right amount. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think there's not really much more to say on that, is there? No, but I, I guess we, we could just say that, um, yeah, another great drive from Leclerc in a, in a sprint weekend. And... Yeah, back yeah, on no, the no, oh, yeah, yeah. If this was the point where we're going to tee it up and talk about Charles Leclerc, absolutely, let's talk well, about it. I just thought this would be a good chance to tee it up for you. A bit of Leclerc. I thought you were, yeah, praise. well, fair. But yeah, yeah you did, did a very cool. good job. And I just find it so weird that it is a weird coincidence, even on very di- different tracks. You know, the sprint, it's not like the sprint has always been on a very similar circuit uh, and we've had different weather conditions and whatever. But for whatever reason, Ferrari do deliver and Charles Leclerc I reckon they've just got a good baseline setup in that Ferrari we've had hardly any dry running and they were like hey no tyre wear this weekend absolutely not we're all good mm. we're fine but as soon as they start having three practice sessions it goes out the window it's crazy so uh, basically I, no basically idea. you were very anti-sprint but now you're every every weekend 24 <laughs> sprint weekends please and thank you and then Red Bull can only take part in 10 of them all right, so then we get Charles Leclerc, 14 victories. That would be amazing. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The final question coming in from this segment. No, actually two. We've got at Leroelk. Would Lando have been able to get a podium if there was more rain? Um... I mean, that's a very theoretical hmm. scenario right now because we didn't get hardly any rain apart from a very small amount. But Lando's pace was was obviously incredible. Um, I think it was also slightly emphasised because he came in for a fresh set of softs. So, of course, he's going to be really quick with, with up-to-speed, fresh, soft tyres in those conditions, especially, you know, slippery conditions when you're on wearing medium tyres it's a no-go. You're going to be sliding around all over the place. Uh, grip is even more important uh, in, for the dry tyre as well as you know the, the wet tyres as well in those kind of conditions. Um, so it's difficult to say. Uh, his, his setup was obviously more catered around wet weather driving uh, because he had that huge wang. He had serious downforce, but he was getting mugged in the race with DRS uh, especially. So uh, I don't think he would have got a podium. I think he would have got fourth. Yeah, it was is a very weird, weird race for Lando. You know, they were flip flopping all over the place. There was one point where he was nineteenth, and they're just thinking, "Wow, McLaren having an absolute stinker." And then somehow finished seventh. 
weird, Spa's such a weird track like that, isn't it? Where you can set up for to be incredible on the straights. Like, like Williams are like the polar opposite, aren't they? Unbelievable first and third sector, but absolutely awful. Um, and I guess we saw that uh, in uh, in action because Lando was being, you know, absolutely caned by them and Williams were flying past everyone in the straight and then he got to the middle sector and there's Lando going round the outside of Logie Sage like he's driving an F2 car so mm. it shows that Spa's a very unique circuit in that way um, but yeah Lando um, I will take this moment to apologise to every Lando Norris fan that uh, and I think we, I think you have a, a bit of responsibility as well Max we hyped McLaren up big time and boy did they not deliver bit of a shame really yeah, whoops about that, Soz. Uh, even Lando saw what we said. So yeah. um, maybe we just don't speak about McLaren ever again, and then that's probably safer. Sorry, sorry, Papaya fans. <laughs> really, really quite sorry. Uh, at F1 Copium, another one. Wow, two questions from the Oh, same sorry, person. I didn't actually yeah, even right. realise that. Right. VIP, that right? it's fine. Okay. Uh, well, maybe not, but who knows? We're, we're, we're locked in now, Tommy. <laughs> what are our thoughts on Sonoda versus Ricardo now that we have a bit more data? I have no idea. It is... The most polar opposite thing in the world. Ricardo has a great sprint. Sonoda has a wash sprint. In the main race, Sonoda is the next Ayrton Senna. Daniel Ricardo is the next N- Nicholas Latifi. Latifi. Exactly. So, hard to say. I think the car doesn't help. Ricardo had a bad race. Fair. But he's not completely washed. Hungary was a very promising race for him. Give him a few races. But yeah, it's just a, a race to forget. But his sprint was promising. So, if if there's ever like a, you're only as good as your last race. Uh, we had so many questions like, should, should uh, Ricardo really have like replaced De Vries? And then you know, yesterday we're we're going, oh my god, he's so close to the points, um, and putting in an unbelievable drive and showing they absolutely deserved it. He's just had a bit of a a stinker of a race. So Noda has had a really good race, and uh, yeah, really pleased for Yuki because. I was very worried, uh, particularly after the sprint yesterday, thinking Danny Rick's going to like really show up Sonoda here and going to kind of almost worrying about Sonoda's career if Ricardo wipes the floor with him. Um, but this was a great way for Sonoda to kind of answer the critics. Of course, Ricardo had that track limits penalty, so he would have been a lot closer, I think, to Sonoda in qualifying, and that might have changed his race. But... Um, yeah, well done, uh, Yuki, because you said that Alpha Tauri is not a great car and it's very difficult to score points, and he got he got a point. So, well done, Yuki. Well done, Yuki. Yeah, great drive from Yuki. Cannot say anything other than that. Uh, shame that he actually was running up in like sort of seventh or eighth, wasn't he, for a little while, or even sixth maybe. Um, but fell away a little bit with that car being uh, a literal tractor, but still, a point is uh, a point. And uh, it'll help them, maybe not massively, but it'll help them a tiny bit. We now go to biggest winner, either driver or team. Well, I'm going to lock in the whole field minus Red Bull because nobody got lapped. Impressive. Around a seven kilometre track. (laughs) We're not going to talk about that. They're closing the gap, Tommy. (laughs) They're closing the gap. (laughs) Wasn't it... um... Didn't Sky say that at the start of uh, the last, uh, I think it was the race, and they hyped it up, and it was like, no, Verstappen won by the biggest margin. Uh, No qualifying was close. But yeah, 
Uh, I will go for Yuki Sonoda because um, I think he's kind of not quite saved his career with one race, but I was getting very worried and I think he's kind of silenced some some critics and shown that, yeah, uh, I think it's a really good good performance. And for someone like Alpha Tauri, a point is um, like a victory because it's so hard to get points and that car is awful. So, yeah, well done, Yuki. Well done, Yuki. Uh, for, for anyone that's actually measuring what we do for biggest winner, I'm going to go with Alonso. I think it was a very strong drive, actually, P5. Uh, finished a solid 23 seconds ahead of Stroll and, and had a very lonely race and, and 10 points. So well done, Fernando. After his mishap as well in the sprint. Uh, yeah, it does back. feel like a fifth is um, but really far, yeah. uh, like the best he could have dreamed of in that Aston Martin, which is now washed. Yeah. So. I mean, even beating Russell, I think, would he would definitely have taken. So um, well done, Fernando. Uh, we now go to biggest loser. McLaren. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Or Haas. They had yeah. a horrendous weekend. Mm, they did. Um, yeah, McLaren, obviously, uh, they've sort of gone off the boil slightly this weekend. What might have been for yeah. McLaren, I think. Even though Piastri got that that great sp- sprint result, but I think uh, or maybe even, dare I say, Lando like just had a bit of an anonymous weekend when I think it had been a sure bet on getting another podium. And he well, it wasn't our a, predictions. Yeah, I know. And he obviously had the problem in qualifying, didn't qualify well. You know, beaten by Piastri on pace in the the sprint as well, and in qualifying. So yeah, um, I'd probably say maybe even Lando. Yeah, fair. I'm going to go with biggest loser, Carlos Sainz. Actually, I think that was uh, you know a silly move at the start. Didn't obviously get penalised, but it it cost. Both him and Piastri um, dearly. They, neither of them yeah, Carlos the just race, so. Carlos is so frustrating because he's finally matching on Leclerc's pace. On Leclerc's yeah. pace, and then the the science was always that thing where everyone was like Leclerc crashes all the time, but science is consistent. And now science is caught up to Leclerc, and then is just like throwing away points all the time. It seems with penalties or moments or incidents. It's it's quite frustrating to watch. So. Yes, fair point. Okie dokie. Let's now reflect on our predictions that we made on Wednesday. Do we have to? And let's begin (laughs) with biggest good surprise. Now, I am absolutely fuming with James Vowles and the Williams team. Alex Albon was in a fantastic spot, running, I reckon, sort of around the eighth position, I believe it was. He was looking, I was celebrating, I was getting a little bit cocky, going, biggest good surprise, come on, points secured. But then they had the most washed strategy in the world on those mediums, kind of got in between two strategies, it seemed. Then they pitted with about nine laps to go to put on the softs, and Albon finished 14th. Yeah, and I went for Logan Sargent, and he was just had an awful weekend as well, thought he was going to get some points. He was running quite high up at one point. Then as soon as the pit stops came in, yeah, he just dropped like a stone and finished one minute and 44 seconds off um, for Stafford. I, yeah, I don't know. Fair, I wouldn't call it awful. He was only eight no. seconds off Albon, wasn't he? So Biggest good surprise. And, and Logan he, Sargent he, wasn't lapped by Max. Not. <laughs> but to be fair, Sargent lost all of that time getting stuck behind signs. Because uh, that yes, was the, he was yeah. he was kind of in the mix, looking on the sort of outer edges of the points, and then yeah, got stuck behind signs for for quite a bit longer than perhaps he would have hoped for. Um, so yeah, no points for us for the biggest good surprises. 
Biggest flop. I went for Haas, and my God, the flop is back. Yeah. Is it not, Tom? Yeah, Benny? yeah. It wow, is. they had a horrendous weekend the entire time. Well, Hulkenberg finished last in everything, did he not? Um, you know, he's finished last <laughs> on the road. He finished last in points. He was last <laughs> in sprint quality, the actual the quality. actual quality, and in the race. I don't know that's, where he finished. That's in the two sprint. points. That's 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 two points. <laughs> we'll open it up to the floor. <laughs> the floor that's the, not the here until we post section. it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Just comment section. Let me know. Do I get double points because Haas were very floppy, like the floppiest flop you've ever seen? Let me know. We'll, we'll call it for one for now. What was your prediction? Story? Mine was Lewis Hamilton, which he had the the nightmare. Oh, well, not nightmare, but like had the incident in in the sprint. But you like, thought you were onto something. I thought I was onto something, but. He's he's been comfortably quicker than Russell this this weekend. Um, I'd argue that if I'd gone for Russell, I might have even tried to flag a point because Russell just didn't seem anywhere near Hamilton all weekend. So I can't take the point there. You certainly can't. So no points for you there, Tommy. Uh, we then go to pole position. Well, speaking of no points, <laughs> oh dear! Both of us went for Lando Norris, which mm. is um, good lord. What were we doing? We did something, and it wasn't good. Uh, had it been dry, who knows? Probably not. But yes, wow, God, we need to calm down on the McLaren hype. Sprint shootout. I went for Lando again, did I? I thought you went for Lando, wasn't it? No, you went for Lando in the sprint shootout for, for uh, Paul again, yeah. God, I I'm an idiot. I did, didn't I? Yeah. And you went for Max because you're a terrible human being. Yeah. No problem. Uh, <laughs> then we go to sprint winner. We both went for Max. We sure did. That's annoying. I thought you went for something different. No, it was in the main race. Yeah, it was. <laughs> okay, top three. I went for third Piastri. No. Uh, third Piastri as well. No. Second Norris. No. <laughs> Second Perez. Yes. God, how have you... Oh, God, I've bl- so some blanker point, haven't I? And then I went for first Verstappen because I'm a scumbag and I actually got a point. Finally. I went for a safe prediction and got a point. Yeah, you sure and did. And you went for? Uh, Lando Norris. Uh, no. No. Even though you've put one point next to that. On oh, sorry, it's meant to be pet. It's just, yeah, <laughs> Paris won. <laughs> right. And then finally, our one crazy prediction. I went for Alex Albon points, which was should have been it, Ugh, yeah, but it terrible. wasn't. And what was yours, Tom? Uh, mine's not... not in the sheet. I was just trying to remember it. It was that Alex Albon would be top five in one of the quali sessions and he wasn't anywhere near, so... Yeah, we we definitely made those predictions without looking at the weather, didn't we? Did we? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we, yeah, we were maybe. expecting rain, Tommy. I think we're just washed. I just thought Williams would be good around here, but really weren't. And they were so. on the soft tires in dry conditions, but then they stuck on some mediums, and it was it was game over, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and then finally, the three crazy predictions uh, from you wonderful listeners at home. Uh, this one, the first one comes in from same usual God, Charles and Carlos to both be on the podium at least once each from the sprint and race. Nope. No half. Jeff two zero four nine one two three two. Only the top five finish on the lead lap. No, nobody no, no, got lapped. And then Nurofilvlasfas, Red Bull Double DNF. No. <laughs> it was worth a try. <laughs> uh, Frank sounds like he wants to get involved as well with uh, his one final crazy prediction, um, but we're not going to let him because he is um, washed as well. So, Tommy, that is the Belgian Grand Prix done and dusted. Our final race review podcast for a month. So that's something. What's your final thoughts? He can't win. No. Um, my final thoughts are... 
um drop us some drop drop some ideas what you'd like to see during the off season we've got we've got some ideas any questions but also you want answering yeah. any topics you want covering so yeah we've got a, a bit of time now to maybe do some do some different things as, from our from our normal content and yeah don't worry we'll still be doing the uh hammering out the the youtube vids and the podcasts and things like that Hammer, so don't I mean, you worry hammering not a bit, hammering a bit yeah I, th- I, I think we do need yeah. do you need a few days off tommy unless you're planning on you know 24 <laughs> 7 till now on zanvor but um, no it, yeah, yeah, I, yeah i use the wrong phrase we will still do content don't worry yeah. it'll just there be will a, be bits stuff and bobs here and there we're not so. on, we're not off we're not off well you're off on holiday in a few weeks so <laughs> that's a lie yeah, we'll get some bankers in get some bank collapse in lovely well thank you everybody for watching and listening just want to say thank you to everybody that is either watching or listening and has been for the last nearly six months of this p1 venture it's been ridiculous the whole thing just feels so surreal that we've been able to just slot in do what we love and there's enough of you that listen so that grace can have food on her table thank you everyone for the support whether that's on twitch on youtube uh, as i say on audio as well it's been an amazing first half of the year and we can't wait for the next half where we're going to see someone else win and we're going to you know have some silly season mate there's lots of stuff to come isn't there tom bellingham sure is lovely well that's brilliant (laughs) have a lovely summer break everybody as i say we'll still be here and we'll see you soon Bye. bye P1 is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.